Well, it's time. Time to learn some warbler sounds. I'll be honest, I'm a little scared to make this episode. I don't know what I'm doing. Warblers all sound the same, and they sound hard. But I want to learn, so I'm doing this. Come along if you'd like. Hello, and welcome back to Birding by Ear. If you're new here, this is a podcast I made to help me learn how to identify birds by the sounds they make. I'm no expert. I'm just a fellow birder on a journey to improve my skills of this crazy hobby that I love. I'll be honest, I'm amazed and impressed with you east of the Rockies birders who can tell all these warbler sounds apart. But if you're like me and feel intimidated by the idea of learning all the warbler sounds, don't worry, I'm taking it slow. Very slow. In a previous episode called Three Warbling Songsters, I talked about the yellow warbler, the lazuli bunting, and the warbling vireo. If you haven't checked that episode out, I'll link it below. I say in every episode I made this podcast for my own learning adventures, so I do tend to focus on the birds I want to learn and that are common in my area. So that's where we will start today. We will talk about three more warblers, the yellow-rimmed warbler, a.k.a. Butterbutts, the McGilvery's warbler, a.k.a. Max, and the Wilson's warbler. Many warblers have two song types. I discussed this a little in the previous warbler episode I mentioned earlier, the three warbling songsters. One type is the mate attraction song, and another type is the territory songs, although that might be a slight simplification. Some warblers, these two versions are very similar, while others are very distinct, which can mean learning two song types for each species, not to mention call notes. No wonder I'm slightly terrified. I will attempt to describe and play both versions of the warbler song, but I won't talk about which version is used for what. I will mostly just focus on what the subtle differences are and how to identify the song to the species. If you want lots of detailed information about how a species uses a particular sound, I recommend checking out Peterson's Field Guide to Bird Sounds by Nathan Piplow. As we listen to warbler songs, we want to listen for the overall pitch, the speed of the warble, the tone, such as buzzy, clear, sweet, etc., and lastly, any changes to those three things. Our first warbler today is the yellow-rumped warbler. The yellow-rumped warbler is probably our most widespread and common warbler. The yellow-rumped warbler song is slow, clear, and sweet. It mostly stays on the same pitch. Another version of the yellow rumped warbler song is very similar, but the last few phrases of the song usually change in pitch and speed up slightly. Listen again and see if you can hear the change. 
While the yellow-rumped warbler is the most widespread and abundant warbler, it does famously have two distinct versions, the Audubon and the Myrtles. It's likely one day they will be their own species again. They are distinct visually, but can also be separated by sound with practice. The previous two tracks were Audubon. Myrtles tend to be higher in pitch. And here is what a myrtle song sounds like. And here is the Audubon song one more time for comparison. We are going to skip call notes for now and come back to them as a group. So one more time, the variations on the yellow rumped warbler song. The first two are Audubon and the third Myrtle. Our next bird is the McGilvery's warbler, nicknamed Mac by some birders. This warbler likes dense thickets, shrubbery, and willows, and can be a little tricky to see due to its preference for such dense brush and sulky behavior. The song is fast and burry in tone. It consists of rising individual notes. Their typical song has two distinct parts, a fast burry warble followed by a similar series on a different pitch. A mnemonic for this bird is tree, 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 sweet, sweet, or cherry, 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 cherry. A common variant of their song sounds like this. Thank you. 
it has that rich, burry tone, but lacks that two-part feel of the more typical song type. One more time, various songs of the McGilvery's Warbler. Another warbler that can have a two-part sounding song is the Wilson's warbler. Wilson's warblers breed mostly in the far north and in high elevation mountains. They like wet meadows, swampy thickets, and dense shrubs near water, but can be seen in a variety of places during migration. Their typical song consists of two consecutive series of simple chip notes, the second series being lower and faster. The overall tone of the Wilson's warbler is sweet and the warble is very is fairly fast. The pitch and speed can change gradually like an orange-crowned warbler or sharply. The simple note that the song consists of can sound like a trill when it's sped up. Wilson's warbler songs are fairly variable and are possibly linked to distinct subspecies. So one more time, here are a variety of Wilson Warbler songs.
Now, let's play those three warblers consecutively. First, a yellow warmed warbler song, then a McGilvery's warbler song, and finally, a Wilson's warbler song. Can we hear the differences? I told my kids it was time to go to bed. They said, but dad, what time is it? I said, the cows in the field are asleep. And they looked at me and said, what? Yeah, I said, it's past your bedtime. Okay, take a deep breath. Now, let's talk about call notes. Most warblers have the same categories of call notes, a seat-like call given in contact and in flight, a high brief tink given in high alarm, and a chip-like note given in mild alarm. In addition, many species give twitters and rattles as well. The chip-like note is where I will focus most of my attention today because it is usually the most common call and the one that is more easily distinguished from other species' call notes. We'll begin where we started with the yellow-rumped warbler. All About Birds says, quote, yellow-rumped warblers are impressive in their sheer numbers with which they fled the continent each fall, end quote. And usually those impressive numbers are all making noise. I think the best way to learn yellow-rumped warbler call is to go out in migration or winter, depending on where you live, and listen for them, because they will be there in big numbers and making lots of noise. Moorland can be especially helpful in this exercise to get you focused on the right sound. The most common call is a check call. Here is the Audubon version of this call. Yellow-rumped warblers seem to be constantly calling, and it can be an important sound to learn if you want to find less common warblers during migration. Here is the Myrtle's version of this call. Now let's play both of the subspecies check call one more time. First, Audubon's.
then myrtles. And here are a few other examples of yellow rumped warbler call notes. Their high-pitched sip call, and they can also make a rattling twitter that sounds like this. One last time, yellow-rumped warbler call notes, some Audubons, and some Myrtles. Okay, on to our next bird. The McGilvery's warbler most common call is a loud tink. It is louder and sharper than most other warbler call notes. I think it sounds a bit like it's saying its nickname, Mac, Mac. Our final bird today was a Wilson's Warbler. Here is their chip-like call. This was described as a loud puckering kiss, and I love that description. Okay, now let's play these three warbler call notes one after another. Are you ready? First, the yellow-rumped Audubons. Then Myrtle. Then McGilvery's. and finally Wilson's. Let's play that one more time. First the yellow-rumped Audubons, then Myrtle, then McGilvery's, and finally Wilson's.
Well, that's all I have for you today. I hope you found it helpful. If any of you have a great way to learn and remember warbler songs and calls, I would love to hear it. You can reach out to me via the podcast website or on Facebook at Birding by Ear Podcast. Until next time, go and get your ears on birding. Audio recordings in today's episode are brought to you by the Cornell Guide to Bird Sounds, the audio collection found on audubon.org, and the following individuals who share their recordings on xenocanto.org. Sue Riffey, Richard E. Webster, and Jasper Bay Jacobson.